Anybody here for comfortable praying out loud like that in a group? I mean, is that, is that a little uncomfortable for everybody? A few people feel comfortable with that. Not many. It's a little bit different. I want to tell you why we did that. All right? Two reasons. One is, for most of us, it requires a little bit of humility to do that. And uh, we're just banking on God's promises that he responds to humility every single time. The second reason is, is because cr- crying out is, is, is very hard to, to have been done if nobody heard you. You, you. you see what I mean? I mean, if you're in a situation and, and there is a desperate need to cry out, there's a good chance someone's going to have heard you cry out. And in the reality of our situation is so dire so desperate that, that we just need to be a people who cries out to the Lord. We need Jesus. When, when my kids were little, they loved to play hide and seek. My moms and dads in here, you remember what that was like with your little ones if you don't have little ones anymore. And those that do, you know exactly what it's like. And all you college students here, you used to do this when you were little. You'd want to play hide-and-seek with your dad or your mom or whatever. My kids wanted to do that with me when they were little, but it really wasn't hide-and-seek. I mean, the the real game of hide-and-seek is you hide so good that the seekers cannot find you. If I did that to my kids when they were little, they'd be traumatized, you know, Um, because their game of hide-and-seek wasn't about me hiding and then trying to find me. It was about me being found by them. That, that was the game. Dad, you go hide, we're going to come find you. And they would have this expectation that I would make this dramatic moment uh, of appearing before them and being found. And they would scream and celebrate. And it was all about finding me. That was their game of hide and seek. You, you guys, when you were little, used to do that. I bet you anything, ask your parents. And really, the, the truth of that story is that none of us have grown out of that. Every single one of us in the depths of our soul is still longing to find our Heavenly Father. We want Him to jump out in front of us and to show us His glory so that we celebrate that we have found Him. That's why we're here today, to find the Lord. Nothing else will do. And I have a story to share with you out of 2 Chronicles that is an invitation to find the Father. And so if you want to turn to 2 Chronicles 14, we're going to work all the way through chapter 16. Because of that large amount of text, we'll read selected areas in the story, but I want to tell you the story. It's a story about King Asa, who's king over Judah. And he experienced, the chronicler tells us, this is how he tells the story, he experienced 10 years. The first 10 years of his reign was undisturbed. He was at peace. We, we want to know why. You know, why is it that Asa's reign over Judah began with 10 years of peace? Well, because 
Asa did what was good and right before the Lord. He made every effort to get all of the idolatry out of the land. He, he made effort to get rid of all of the worship of false gods. And he, and he told the people, I want you in all of this kingdom to turn your hearts to the Lord and seek after the Lord. And, and God was blessing them with peace because they had turned their hearts to seek the Lord. And in those days of peace, they were able to fortify cities, to make cities strong defenses against the enemies that might come against them. And there's another way the chronicler is just telling us in this story that God's peace allowed the blessing of God's provision to be experienced in fortifying some cities. If you, if you look at the text here, um, Asa actually talks about why they were able to fortify the cities. He says in verse 7, Let us build these cities, surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him and He has given us rest on every side. He says, look what's happened here. God has poured out His loving kindness on us because we have sought Him. We're experiencing this time of peace because all of us have said we are not going to be idolaters. We are going to set our heart to seek the Lord. And it was a time of blessing. Then the chronicler tells us that Asa has an army. He has 300,000 warriors who can handle the spear and the shield from Judah and 280,000 warriors that can handle the bow. My kind of guys right there, bow hunters. And uh, they can handle the shield. He's got 580,000 warriors. Now, why is he telling you? We've been 10 years at peace, undisturbed. And all of a sudden, we're told about his army. Something's fixing to happen. A challenge is coming on the horizon. And an Ethiopian army shows up outside of Judah of over a million men outnumbering Asa's army two to one, and they take a city named Ramah, a strategic city, a city that was en route. If Asa needed help from someone else, if he needed help to arrive or supplies to arrive, Ramah would cut off that avenue strategically. And so, so the Ethiopian leader comes in and he takes over that area. We might want to get the story correctly if I'm going to tell it. So let me back up here for a second and let me get it right. I'm so glad we're recording this because this is a great moment of humility. And God always responds to humility. Man, what a perfect illustration. Oh, man. So the Ethiopian ruler comes against Asa. And Asa is outnumbered two to one. And look what Asa does. Look at verse 11. Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord, our God. For we trust in you and in your name have come against this multitude. 
Oh Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So in incredibly difficult circumstances, Asa turns to the Lord and he cries out. And God hears his cry. He responds to Asa's humility and he routs the Ethiopians. They are completely destroyed and they are moved out of the way and the people go back to Jerusalem. As Asa is headed back to Jerusalem, the prophet Azira meets with Asa and he tells him a message from the Lord. Chapter 15, verse 2. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, and you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For many days Israel was out without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, God of Israel, and they sought him, and he let them find him. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. But you be strong and do not lose Courage, for there is reward for your work. Don't give up. There was a time in the past when God's people had every reason to give up and they sought the Lord and He let them find Him. And even though the troubles did not stop, they still, in finding the Lord, had exactly what they needed. Don't give up. Don't lose courage. There is reward for your work. And if you're ace in that moment, don't you have the question... What is that reward? What what is it that God has planned to do if we don't give up seeking after Him when challenges come? Well, the Scripture says that Asa, in verse 8, was encouraged. He took courage from what was spoken by the prophet and he continued to remove the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin from all the cities he captured. He restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and he, and he got all those from Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon, who, who resided with them. Many defected from Israel when they saw the Lord God was with Asa. And so they all assembled in Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign, and they sacrificed sacrifices to the Lord from the spoil of the Ethiopian battle. And they entered in, notice verse 12, they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord in that moment, they decided should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. 
Asa, you want to know what your reward is? You seek after the Lord with your whole heart, and he will reward you with himself. And then we hear again that there is rest on every side. We've just read about an incredible revival among God's people. They experience the loving kindness of God because they've begun to get the idolatry out of their lives. They confess their sins. They've repented of their sins. They've sought the Lord in the face of this great and mighty challenge. They trusted the Lord in, in, in un, unrealistic odds. They saw God pour out Himself and they said, we want more of the Lord. We're going to seek Him with our whole heart. We, we've not yet done this as much as we can. We're going to throw away even more of our idolatry. We're going to repair the altar. We're going to fix what's broken. And we're going to bring all these sacrifices from the things that God has given us. And we're going to say, none of this is ours. It's all yours. And we're going to say, our life is yours. So much so that if my heart is not yours I would rather die and God says I am ready to give you the reward of myself and they went crazy with rejoicing and shouting and celebration their hearts were revived and they were walking with the Lord incredible story you know Asa was so serious about setting his heart to seek the Lord, his whole heart. But the chronicler tells us that he removed his mom. Now catch this. He removed his mom from being, being queen mother. So there's this title she's carrying as queen mother that has power and authority in the kingdom. And he says, you have set up an idol and you've worshipped a false god, I'm going to take that idol, I'm going to crush it, I'm going to grind it down, I'm going to burn it into ash, and then I'm going to take you out of your position as queen mother because my heart is set to seek the Lord. You think that was easy? Any of you have an easy time telling your mom what to do? His heart was set to seek the Lord fully. He was holding nothing back. And they found the Lord. There was no more war for many years. But in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, presents another challenge. This is the king that sets up the fortified city in Ramah. This is the one that cuts off help to Asa. And Asa recognizes that once again he's in a situation that is far more than he can handle on his own. But this time, he, he doesn't turn to the Lord. He doesn't trust the Lord in this moment. It's, it's the same kind of scenario as before with the Ethiopian leader, but this time he does not turn to the Lord. In fact, the story tells us that he made a covenant with a guy named Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram. He took treasures out of the house of the Lord. He took treasures out of his own palace. And he gave those treasures to Ben-Hadad so that Ben-Hadad would make an allegiance with him and stop his allegiance with Baasha, king of Israel. And Ben agreed to that. And he changed allegiances. And he started to attack Baasha in some other areas. And Baasha had to withdraw from Ramah and go and take care of his own stuff in another place because now he had this new enemy. 
And then Asa could go into Ramah and he could get all the stuff that Baasha had been using to fortify the city and he could use it to fortify the cities that he needed to protect his people with. And if you're the people, you've got to be thinking, man, this is great. We've got all this free stuff. We're able to fortify the cities. Man, our king has protected us once again. If you're the people, you're probably really grateful for what Asa has done. But God has a different perspective. And so he sends word to Asa through a prophet, Hanani. And he says to Asa, verse 7 of chapter 16, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hands. You catch what he just said? If you'd have trusted me, I'd have given you Baasha, king of Israel, and I'd have given you Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, and you'd eliminate all of the threats around you, and you'd continue in peace. You think you got a victory because you overcame Baasha? If you trust me, you'd overcome them all. It says, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand? For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You've acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. And then Asa just got mad. He didn't like what he was told. And he was so angry at that prophet, he threw him in jail. Some of the people around there experienced the fallout of his anger and they got oppressed. I mean, it was not a good scenario whatsoever. Verse 11, now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. It sounds like the story is ending once again, and we have a question. What happened with Asa? Did he ever come back to the Lord? What happened to him? Well, in the 39th year of his reign, he was attacked again. Not an army attacking his kingdom, a disease attacking his body. And the disease was severe. But even in the severity of the disease, Asa did not seek the Lord. He knew he needed help because he went to a lot of physicians to try to get the help. But he never once cried out to God. He never once sought the Lord. And then he died. Two years later. Two years of an unbelievable pain and suffering. And he never turned his heart to seek the Lord. And he died. You know what happened when he died? The people buried him in the tomb that he prepared for him in the, in the area of the kings. And they honored him. And they built a huge fire to honor him. The people honored King Asa. And it's so sad. Because while he held the honor of the people, he missed the honor of God. The one thing that mattered most, he missed. It's a tragic story of an incredible fall. But it's a story that's meant to encourage. 
If you're in, living in the day of the chronicler and you hear this story for the first time, this is going to be an incredible encouragement to you. The words of the prophet Azira are an incredible encouragement to you because he talked about how there was a time among God's people where God was not really with them like he had been before and that there was no priest teaching and everything was terrible and that they needed God's help and the people had turned back to the Lord and he let them find him. If you've been in exile and God let you find him and you came back to the land, well, when you got back to the land, things were not okay. It was still difficult. Things were still full of challenges. There was no king on the throne. You were still under somebody else's authority. This was not the optimal situation, and God was encouraging His people. Though the difficulties are there, don't give up. Don't lose courage. There is reward for your effort. And if you will turn your hearts to seek me, and you will keep seeking me with all your heart, I'm going to let you find me. Yeah, there's challenges that still remain for you guys. Yes, there's difficulties that's going to come. Yes, there's no king on the throne. But listen, if you trust me in the face of these challenges that are in front of you, you will never, ever be disappointed. There is more to come. There is more to experience. The king is still yet to arrive. Keep trusting me. Keep seeking me. If you're in those days, you're going to be really encouraged. I think about us in our day. We have seen that the king has come. And now we are watching for the king's glorious final return when he makes everything right and he draws to himself his bride. And we are waiting for the return of our glorious, mighty warrior king. And we should be encouraged by this story to seek after the Lord with our whole hearts. Because God gives us the same promises right now where you live in the midst of the challenges with all the dangers, with all the uncertainties, with all the threats. God gives you the same promise. If you seek after me with all your heart, I will let you find me. And that's what we need. We need to be a people who are consistently and regularly finding the Lord. But you know what it boils down to? It boils down to our hearts. You know, Asa had to repair the altar so that sacrifices could be made on the altar again rightly. And I wonder if this morning what really needs to happen in this place is if this morning we all need to do a little repair on the altar and get our heart back on there completely. See, the people were willing to be put to the death if their hearts were not fully set to seek the Lord. They were passionate. They had abandoned everything. They had said, I want my whole heart, my whole life to be fervently seeking after the Lord. And if you see anything in me that indicates that my whole heart is not after God, I want you to kill me. Because I would rather be killed than to live one more day without fully laying my life on the altar to God. Maybe this morning what we all need to do is just say, Lord, I I need to repair the altar. And and I need to just lay my heart back on the altar completely without any reservation, holding nothing back. Are you you laying your heart, your life fully on the altar before God? 
If, if you seek him, he will let you find him. And that is what we need. We should be encouraged by the story of Asa to seek after the Lord and to trust in the Lord. Every one of us is going to have moments of challenge, moments of difficulty, moments of uncertainties and unknown experiences that are going to come crashing into our life because we live in this broken world. And guess what? We need to be encouraged by Asa's story to keep trusting the Lord. Because if we trust the Lord in the face of the insurmountable, the overwhelming, the heavy, the burdens, the unknowns, we will never, ever be disappointed. Jesus will always come through. He is the reigning and controlling King and no one can stop His agenda. And if we will trust Him in the face of every difficulty, we will never, ever be disappointed. We have got to trust the Lord. We've got to create a pattern in our lives of seeking the Lord with our whole heart and trusting Him in the face of every difficulty and challenge of life. If we will create that pattern in our life, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be a people who regularly experience finding God. Every day is going to be like a game of hide and seek with our Heavenly Father. We're going to set our hearts to seek Him and He's going to let us find Him. And we're going to be blown away in who we find. And our lives are going to be revived. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to share our faith. We're going to be bold to step into darkness and be the light of the world. We're going to be a people who say, I have seen and I know Jesus going to be able to change the world that way we don't change anything if we've not seen jesus all we do is reinforce the idolatry that we hold so dearly in our hearts we have got to find god we need to find him i'll never forget early on when i felt like god had called me to preach i was praying before him and talking to him about that. I was like, Lord, I really want to be a great speaker, a great communicator. I want to be able to share your words. I don't want to make mistakes and tell stories about the Bible that are wrong and then have to correct them in the middle of a sermon. I don't, I don't want to be that kind of guy. I want to be a great speaker. And I just felt like the Lord said to my heart in that moment, I'll never forget it. And he's just imprinted it on my heart in a fresh new way. This last week, as I was praying and crying out to the Lord, the Lord just reminded me once again what he said to me. He said, Kevin, a good speaker is a dime a dozen. A man who knows me is rare. I don't need you to talk good for me. I need you to be with me, to know me, and to find me. I want to be a man who finds the Lord. Don't you? And I just want to confess before you, I am not that man yet. But I want to move forward. And I want to cry out. And I want to find God in moments of my days that surprise me because I've set my heart fully to seek the Lord and I want finding Him to revolutionize the way I live. I want to be alive in Jesus. Don't you? It's never going to happen if we don't fix the altar and get our hearts back on it completely, holding nothing back with reservation, but with abandon saying, I want to follow after you. It's never going to happen if in the face of those moments where challenges come and we choose not to trust the Lord. That's what Asa did. 
At the end of his life, he had another challenge. He says, I'm not going to trust you this time. I'm going to do things my way. My way is going to work out just fine. See what I did? See what happened? It's working out just fine. And God said, no, if you'd have trusted me, you have no idea how I could have worked it out in a way that brought me great glory and brought you great good. And you've missed it. You know the saddest part of Asa's story? This is the saddest thing. It's not that he, that he failed to trust the Lord. Guess what? We are all going to have that story. We are all going to have those moments where in the face of the challenge we say in that moment, I'm just not going to trust you today like I did five days ago. Today, I'm going to take my heart off the altar a little bit because I'd really like to do this right now. And we're going to have those moments where we fail to trust Him. But you know what's going to happen? When we fail to trust the Lord, the circumstances of our failure are going to create an opportunity for us to confess our sin to the Lord. The saddest thing about Asa is not that he failed failed to trust, but he failed to confess. He just got mad. He never said to God, you're right. I should have trusted you. You see, the Lord told Asa, I am looking for someone who would just give me his or her heart. And I want to come along and support them strongly. I want to show them myself. I want to change their lives. I want to revive their heart. I want to use them to display the gospel for my glory throughout the entire world. I'm looking. And if Asa just said, I want to be that person, I'm so sorry. I've turned against you. I've trusted myself and not you. Please, Lord, what would God have done? He already told him what he'd do. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will hear. He didn't confess. And it hardened his heart. And he turned away from the Lord. And even when the Lord brought a disease on his own feet and put him in incredible pain, he did not turn back to seek the Lord. He refused. His heart was so hard. You know, the reality is that, that hardly any of us in here are ever going to just one day decide, I'm done. I'm done with you, God. I'm turning away. And we just walk away. That's not going to happen in our lives. For most of us, that's not going to happen. You know what's going to happen? You know what's mo more likely it's not a wholesale turning away of the Lord in one moment. It's in that moment of not trusting, failing to be quick to confess your sin. Because every moment you choose not to confess, to, to see what God sees about your sin and to agree with what He says about your sin and to confess that to Him in humility, if you don't quickly do that, you're essentially turning away from the Lord and your heart will be hardened. You will not find God. A friend of mine here at our church is a, is a physician and he was in Mexico doing a mission trip. And he had a guy come in to see him. He's 37 years old. He had a deformed leg. He was not functioning right. He could barely walk on it. He came in to see him, and it turns out that he had broken his shin bone. And eight years before, it had a metal plate put in with screws, but it wasn't put in properly. It, it, it didn't fix it. It wasn't stable. It wasn't done right. And for eight years, that guy had been hobbling around on this leg that wasn't fixed properly. And over eight years, that bone around that break in that plate had just been building up, building up, trying to fix itself. But because it was not set properly in the beginning, it created a massive problem that was going to cripple him. The doctor spent over three hours chipping away at all that bone that had tried to grow up. 
And he tried to reset it and give him an opportunity to be healed. God willing, he'll experience healing. But it's still up in the air because eight years of not taking care of that break led to an incredible problem. Almost irreversible. If, if, if you don't confess your sins, the stability of your heart is in jeopardy. And your heart begins to try to cope with unconfession. And the only way your heart can cope with unconfession is hardness. It's the only way you can deal with your unconfessed sin before a holy God who sees everything you do is to harden your heart against Him. But what you don't recognize is what you're doing is you're crippling your life. And God, this master physician, is ready to take your hard heart and do surgery on your heart and restore you. And I'm here to tell you, the longer you wait to confess your sin, the more likely you might spend the rest of your life limping because you stayed in hardness far too long. That is not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is that you turn to Him, you confess your sin quickly, and you find Him, and He comes in and He heals you, and He makes it all well, and you walk before Him, setting your heart to seek Him. You've confessed your sins before Him. Then you turn away from your sin. You don't stay prideful. You don't stay angry. You don't stay unforgiving. You, you turn to Him and you repent from your sin. And then we find Him and He revives our hearts. We need to be a people who are revived. But, but that kind of finding God regularly in your life only comes through confession and repentance. Through laying your heart on the altar. And I'm asking you this morning if you would be willing to consider what that would look like in your life and abandon whatever it is that's keeping you from laying your life on the altar and just cry out and lay your life on the altar before God knowing that He's promised if you seek Him, you will find Him. You know the worst moments in my life? The worst moments in my life are those moments when I made a covenant with Ben-Hadad. And I followed up that covenant of not trusting in the Lord with unconfession. And my heart became hard. Even just a little bit was the worst moments of my life. And I don't want any more moments like that. I want to minimize that in my life, you know? Because the best moments of my life have been those moments when I have just said, Lord, I want my whole heart, my whole life to be laid out before you. Whatever you want, I want. Whatever's in my life that you don't want, I want to give up. Whatever you call me to do, I want to follow you. And I would rather die than not follow you with my whole heart. Those have been the best moments of my life because those are the moments when I found Him and He's changed me. And those are the moments I want. Don't you want those moments? So, so maybe we can just make some covenants. We can make some oaths. We can just lay our hearts on the altar this morning 
We can just say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to seek you. I want to, I want to trust you. And if I don't trust you, I want to be quick to confess my sins because, God, what I really need, what I really need is just to keep on finding you. I so want the Spirit of God to fall on our lives. I am burdened for us to find him because we need him. And the world needs to see a people who have found him. And I'm just asking, I'm just inviting, will you join me in that burden? And will you begin to cry out, to seek, to trust, and to confess? Then let's find him together.